This is Father Aaron with another podcast. On this 33rd Sunday of the year, I consider the vocation of the laity to sanctify the world. How do Catholic laypersons express their faith in public, in their families, in their workplaces, or in their schools? In today's homily, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia shows us the way with the help of St. Paul. In 1992, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia was invited to give an address to the Judicial Prayer Breakfast Group in Washington, D.C. He was given the subject of being different in America. Now, After a brief introduction, Justice Scalia proceeded to give a lengthy discussion, not in any legal matter, as one might expect from a Supreme Court justice, but in this ecumenical gathering, he addressed why being a Catholic, particularly being a Catholic in America, makes one different. And he spoke, of course, about the obvious differences, the way we worship, the communion, fa- the communion fast, observing various feast days or days of fasting. But the point that really sticks to me is his exegesis on the story of the death of Christ in St. Luke's Gospel. Luke is the evangelist who records that little bit of dialogue we have between Dismas the good thief and our Lord, wherein Christ promises Dismas eternal life. And so Justice Scalia says, What an extraordinary thing. Dismas is the only saint canonized by Christ himself, the only human being, including even Mary, that we know from the gospel, indeed from the mouth of Christ himself, to be in heaven. So much did Jesus value that man standing beside him when all the world had abandoned him. And the same reward for the same willingness to go against the world awaits all of us. Last week, I spoke to you about how we as Catholic Christians have to know the line between tolerating the beliefs and practices of others and rejecting them, how we're obliged to never tolerate those things which contradict the law of God. And so now that we have discussed what we are not to do, we need to look at what Christians should do in society. And I don't use the term society loosely here as just meaning how we're supposed to act around other people. Christ the Lord compels us to a very particular calling in the world, that is in our workplaces and schools, our families, and in all our interactions. And St. Paul gives us a good start today in his second epistle to the Thessalonians. Paul is speaking about how when he lived among the people of Thessalonica, he wasn't merely there as a preacher. What does he write? Quote, in toil and drudgery, night and day we worked, so as to not burden any of you. We wanted to present ourselves as a model for you. 
And we probably don't think much about St. Paul as a worker. We probably have an image of him in our heads, a good image, of him walking around holding a scroll and preaching sermons all day. But before Paul became this itinerant preacher, he lived just as any good Jew would have. He had a job. Paul was a tent maker. He tells us that in his letters. And it is clearly not a task he set aside even in his missionary work, perhaps even because he needed tents in his missionary work. But what does that sort of work look like? It's not the most noble, is it? There's nothing grand about it. Maybe the most difficult thing would be hunting the animals needed for the skins, but even then, it's likely he just purchased them himself in the market, rather than hunting. Instead, the task was mainly one of sewing tents by hand, and whittling down the wooden poles to the needed size. In short, as St. Paul himself says, it was toil and drudgery. These are repetitive and monotonous tasks. There's no glory in them. But they were enough for Paul. But Paul makes it clear to the Thessalonians that he continued to work at this trade in their midst as an example to them. Why? He explains that a bit later in his text. We hear that some are conducting themselves among you in a disorderly way, by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others. Some other translations render this by not keeping busy, but acting like busybodies. I think that gets at the gist of what Paul is saying. St. Benedict writes in his Holy Rule that idleness is the enemy of the soul. And this applies firstly to the spiritual life. St. Alphonsus the Great teaches us that it is impossible to stay stagnant in the spiritual life. Either you make progress or you go backwards. Being idle in our attempts to grow in the faith leads not to stagnation, but to the death of our soul, to the death of our spiritual life. But also when we're idle, we end up filling our empty time with useless things. Venerable Fulton Sheen says, we become like that which we love. If we love what is base, we become base. But if we love what is noble, we become noble. I would add, if we love to do nothing, then we become nothing. And so the first thing to say is that on a basic level, all of us should rightfully be invested in the duties of our lives, whether that be our family or our job or our school. We have to be invested in it, or our idleness will destroy us. The film director Woody Allen once said that 80% of life is just showing up. And it's true, if we're not invested in the duties of our lives, then we aren't living. Instead, we're wasting our time and getting worse. But now let's take this into the spiritual level. Within the duties of our life, our family, our work, our school, we also have an obligation to remain dedicated to Christ. We can't be Christians on Sunday and then teachers, doctors, or whatever our profession may be on Monday. We have to live as Christians every day of the week, at every moment. And this is how we are called to be different. St. John Vianney says, You cannot please both God and the world at the same time. They are utterly opposed to each other in their thoughts, their desires, and their actions. And so we cannot live our secular lives as if we are trying to reach a secular standard. The world is suffering right now from a loss of the sense of the sacred. Nothing is sacred anymore, not religion, nor marriage, nor family. Secularism has become the standard of living. And Christians are partly to blame by our willingness to go along with society as the nation and the world attempts to push Christ to the fringes, to confine him to his church buildings. And so it's no surprise, for example, that prayer isn't permitted in public schools because most Christians live today as if the only place for prayer is the church. Now I say most, not all. Yes, there are some Christians who are striving hard to not hide their faith in public, but things are not as they used to be. 
Even though this country was never a Catholic nation, we were founded as a Christian society. That is evident in the writing of our founding fathers, in the motto given to our Congress, and in the founding documents of the country. But in the name of the freedom of religion, Christians today are allowing ourselves to pretend like Christianity or Catholicism is just one religion among others. And that was one of the points in Scalia's address. Christians don't see themselves as being different anymore, not because we were in the majority, but because we don't really see how Christianity is different from the world. In fact, in many ways, we have attempted to make Christianity and the church resemble the world. It's the task of all Christians, but most especially of the laity, to sanctify the world in the way they live their daily lives. Not to sanctify the church, to sanctify the world to sanctify Main Street and our schools and the grocery store and wherever we are active during our daily lives. And the first way we do this is by our witness. St. Paul says he worked among the Thessalonians to provide them a model, but surely not a model of work, but of sanctification. Sadly, Catholics have come to associate these public expressions of the faith as things that extremist Protestant groups do, or those groups that go door to door. I'm not saying you need to go down the houses of your neighborhoods and offer them catechisms. But at your workplaces, do any of your co-workers have evidence to believe you are Catholic other than the fact that you say you are? I saw one of the non-Catholic students at our school this week wearing a sweatshirt that said, I love my church and you would too. Maybe I need to get sweatshirts here. The point is that we are meant to be different. We are meant to stand with Christ at all moments. But especially now, as the world continues to abandon him, our witness, our excitement for the faith will evangelize others in itself. Now, it's not hard for Catholics to be considered different in Mississippi, but if we're going to be considered different, and we are, let's make it because we are proud of our faith and of our traditions. Now, next week, we are going to re-bless the bell in our tower here in Greenville. I've been delighted to hear it ringing downtown again because I want people to know that we're here and that our parish is alive and proud to be Catholic. But each of you are an extension of this parish or your own parish into all your homes and workplaces, your little bells all through Washington County or wherever you are, bringing them the message of the church and ultimately the message of Jesus Christ. So much did Jesus value that man standing beside him when all the world had abandoned him. And the same reward for the same willingness to go against the world awaits all of us.
thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jackson Priest with an S dot com. Thank you, and God bless.